In fact, I'm going to give you one verse, one verse. I would imagine, though, there's going to be some other verses that get thrown in somewhere. Uh, but I want you to do this. Turn to Acts chapter 11, uh, verse 23. It's going to be up on the screen as well, but I'd love for you to actually look at it if you can. There's a Bible there in the pew in front of you. We'd love for you to look at. But in Acts chapter 11, verse 23, we've been taking a journey through Acts for six months now, ever since the beginning of the year. And as we've journeyed through it, we've seen that the gospel, ever since Jesus died in Jerusalem, raised again there in the city, that the gospel has spread like a wildfire throughout the first century. And we've seen that story. We've seen the history of how God has birthed his church and how God is changing lives there in Jerusalem and then eventually Judea, Samaria, and beyond. It's a fascinating story that we have been able to read about and see. Truly, we have seen as we read Acts, the grace of God truly made visible in the first century. Now, as we see it here in Acts 11, we saw this last week as we looked at this text and everything around it. I want us to look at what it says. It says that, when he arrived, who is he? He's Barnabas, all right? Barnabas is the son of encouragement. He's the uh, disciple that we've learned about a few weeks. He's a great man of God. He's a good man in the sense that he is full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And so Barnabas, he arrives where? In Antioch. And he witnessed something. What did he witness? According to this verse, it says that he saw or he witnessed the grace of God. And so what that means is that the grace of God was made visible to him there in Antioch. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then it says, as a result, he rejoiced and he began to encourage them all in Antioch with a resolute heart, meaning to stay true, to remain true to the Lord, to remain faithful, to persevere, to keep going on. And so Barnabas did what he does. He encourages them. But what I want you to see is the emphasis of this text this morning is that the grace of God was made visible to Barnabas. And so today we're going to look at how the grace of God was made visible to him. And it, but here's how we're going to do it. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to sit back and we're just going to ask a question this morning. What is the grace of God? That's a broad topic. We're gonna, you can hit that with a broad stroke and many different subcategories to what the grace of God is. And so we're going to hit that a little bit this morning. And then what we're going to do is to see how Barnabas saw it visibly there in Antioch. And then lastly this morning, what we're going to do is we're just going to hear stories. We're just going to hear stories. Um, we're going to have a family come up, share some, uh, a story with us. And then we're, I'm going to read to you some other stories that I got this week from you, our body. Um, about visibly seeing the grace of God. And at the end of the day, the goal is that, that we would be at a place where Barnabas was, and he rejoiced. He was glad in the grace of God. He loved the grace of God. He rejoiced in the Lord of grace. And that we would walk away, just like Antioch was, encouraged to trust God with whatever comes. And so this morning, what I was to ask this question this morning is, is what is the grace of God? Because what did Barnabas see? And we'll see that second, but what is the grace of God? I, I would start here by saying this, that, that grace is something that comes from God. It comes from God freely. It comes from him unmerited. It comes from him unearned. 
His grace is literally the overflow of who he is, his self-sufficiency. And I think that's huge. I think you have to start there. It's like the picture of a waterfall when we think of the God's grace. Waterfall doesn't go up, right? It just comes down. And that's what God does. He just pours out freely his grace. But it's based on who he is. It's based on his self-sufficiency. Meaning this, God needs nothing from you and I. Nothing. Sometimes that doesn't sit well with us. We like to be needed, right? We like that. We like to be wanted. We like to add something to the equation. Guess what? God is self-sufficient. And that's where his grace begins. It must begin there. In Romans eleven thirty six, Paul concluded this. He says that all things are from him, all things are through him, and all things are to him. Had to throw in a Piper quote this week for you guys who have been missing them. Dr. Piper says this. He says, God's grace is the overflow of God's free goodness, his power, and his wisdom. Saying that God is a God of grace is a way of saying that God is God. That he is infinite, that he is all-sufficient, that he's self-existent, that he's complete source and sustainer and owner of all being and all value and all worth in the universe. And so when goodness comes from him, it comes from him freely. And it comes no other way. You can't earn it. And he says, therefore, all his goodness is grace. We see God's grace, obviously, in, in him saving us, right? What did Paul say in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9? Remember, Paul says, for by grace you have been saved. Meaning it's, it's all God's goodness. It's the exerting kindness of God upon our souls and on our hearts. We do nothing. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so what does that mean? That even the faith to trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God grants that to us as a gift to turn our soul and our hearts to Jesus. It's freely from him. Paul continues in his letter to the Corinthians, and he says this about grace as well. He says, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. What was Paul meaning? Paul was saying, I'm a new creation. I'm now an apostle of Christ. I am that because God made me that. I didn't have anything to do with that, Paul says. I was a persecutor. Now I'm a proclaimer of Jesus he says, his grace toward me did not prove vain or empty, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. What is Paul saying here? Paul's saying, not only did Christ change my life, but in this changed life that I now have, he enables me. He gives me power. He gives me wisdom. He's the one doing the work. And so what does that mean? Grace simply just doesn't pardon our sins. We sung about that. But it also gives us the power to continue to obey, to press on in obedience. Paul says, I labored hard, but I didn't do the work. God was doing the work in and through me. That's the grace of God. So I'm going to stop there just real quick, because guess what? There's, there's a lot more I could say. And I want your mind this morning, just in this small moment, when we talk about the grace of God, your, your mind to get blown away 
by the grace of God. Do you realize that God's grace is a big deal? It's a big deal. And so to see that, I want us to look at this text again. Look at it. Because how did Barnabas see the grace of God? Everything I just talked about and so much more, but, but just to kind of get us out of the, the blocks this morning. How did Barnabas see the grace of God? How was it made visible? How did he see God's free goodness at work there in Antioch? Well, let me give you a little hint. Go back up to verse 19, if you would, in the text. He says, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And so how did these people who are in Antioch, the disciples that now Barnabas is going to encourage, he's seeing them live out their life, and as a result of that, he's seeing the grace of God. How did those people even get to Antioch? These disciples of Jesus Christ, they got to Antioch because of the persecution that was happening in Jerusalem. And so they're pushed out of Jerusalem and they're scattered abroad along the Mediterranean coastline and many of them land in Antioch. And they're just like you and I. They're, they're blue-collar workers. They're, they're guys uh, working in the fields. They're guys that are herding sheep. They're guys that are doing different things. They're working. They're, they're ladies that are help raising their families, guys that are trying the best they can. And they're pushed out of their homes to these different places and they're called just to simply live out this gospel there in these new places. Can you imagine being pushed out of your home? Can you imagine being pushed out because of persecution and suffering? And that's what happened to them. And what did they do? They live out the gospel there in these cities. And so Barnabas comes. And what has happened is people have started to hear the name of Jesus Christ. And their lives are being changed. And that is being made visible to Barnabas. And so here's the question this morning. How was the grace of God made visible to Barnabas? And simply put, God took persecution. He took suffering, which is also a part of his grace. Let's, let's not ignore that this morning. And he turns that to the proclamation, the proclaiming, the making known of Jesus' name. You see, see what God does? He takes this, which is it's, it's, it's tough, man. Suffering and persecution. I mean, we see it in our world. And he turns it for good. Romans eight twenty eight. Remember what Paul says? He says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. God's grace I want you to hear this morning, is not always about getting what you want. Sometimes we hate to hear that. Obviously, the disciples who were pushed out of their homes in Jerusalem would have probably loved to stay in Jerusalem. But God had something better in store for them. It was persecution leading them to unreached places to proclaim the gospel. So what does that mean this morning? It means this, that grace doesn't mean everything is going to be easy. It does mean, though, that everything has a meaning. Everything has a purpose. God and all that he gives, both in the bitter and also the sweet taste of life, wants us to draw near to him, who is the greatest of all good. 
And so sometimes God will take us through tough times so that we can draw closer to him. And that is his grace. Because at the end of the day, grace is about one thing, about you and I knowing God. In fact, listen to what Peter says. The apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 5.10, I told you there'd be one verse, but there'd be some others. Peter says this, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So part of God's grace definitely is those hard times, those suffering times, but he has a goal in mind that you would be nearer and closer and conform to his image. One of the greatest stories I've ever heard that pictures the visible grace of God is the story of Joni Erickson Tata. Some of you guys have heard of her story. Practically fully paralyzed, totally paralyzed from a swimming accident. Erickson Tata now has a great ministry to people. Those with different special needs, different disabilities. A couple years ago, a family here invited some of the staff to uh, a bank. We got to hear her speak. And, and one of the things that Joni says is this. She says, this, speaking of herself, is the prison where God set me free. She says, this is the prison where God set me free. And so what does she mean? She means in the pain that she has and the limitation she has and the frustration she has, brought on to her by her disability, something happened. It threw her back onto God in such a way that she discovered true freedom in life, what life is all about. It's not about just arms and legs and being able to ski and jog, she says. Instead, it's about forgiveness. It's about hope. It's about love. It's about meaning. It's about eternal life. It's about knowing that God is for you and not against you, even in suffering. And in her life, that's how grace became visible. Barnabas saw it. Joni has seen it. We've all, if, if we really think about it, we've seen God's grace before. We've seen it visibly in many different ways. And this morning, what I want to do with the remainder of our time is I want to give you a glimpse some of the ways that God is making his grace visible through different lives in here. And that at the end of the day, we could say like Barnabas, I'm glad in the grace of God. I love the grace of God. I rejoice in the Lord of grace. The first story that I want you to, to hear this morning is the story of Eli Elias. But not just him, because God took him and his family through a time that began on October 5th of last year. Eli was rushed to Children's Medical Center on that night because they found a mass on him. And then the next day, he was taken into surgery. And from there, the, the journey of God's grace was experienced and lived out. Part of the journey with uh, the Elias family. I want to bring them up. Y'all come on. Hey. The, John was being funny and gave me the middle tall stool. A little inside joke there. Well, hey, man. 
that was, I was excited when you said, hey, I want to share. I want to share. It'd be great. You did say that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, so, so this, this week I, I asked the congregation, I said, hey, I'd love to hear just how you've seen the grace of God visibly recently. And it, it was really cool getting different things back and, and stories and, and uh, just, just knowing this, this one was out there. Uh, this story was out there, and just knowing, talking to you guys, and, and just hearing, and say, yeah, we'd love, to, we'd love to share. And so, this morning, I'm going I'm to let you guys do that for a little bit. Just, just share how you have seen the grace of God visibly. Just, just whatever God has put on your heart of this week, as you have thought about that. I know as a family, you've talked about that. And so, Eli, are you, you starting this thing off? Guess. You guess? <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay, there are a lot of people here. Yeah. Um, well, when I had gone to El Paso this last weekend, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we were at, um, like, a get-together. And we were having a good time, and on the couch was... My auntie. So Mia's going to go first. Hi, everyone. My name's Mia. <laughs> so this past year, mostly, um, we've seen the grace of God in friends, family members that have just been doing things that they don't have to do, been sending us some treats, raising money for every of us. And we're here to encourage a bunch of people to help them understand the grace of God. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Thanks, Mia. <laughs> no, you can go. <laughs> It wasn't supposed to happen in that order. Um, I'm going to try to get through this without falling apart, so please bear with me. Thanks for having us, Jerry. Uh, so, grace, it's such a profound, big term. And um, I think before I talk a little bit about grace, I have to maybe define what it means to me. Um, so grace is um, God continuously being active in our lives. Amen. It's not because he's always working behind the scenes um, and always for our good. Mm. Not because of what we've done. Amen. Not because we've earned it. Amen. Not because um, we're good just because he simply loves us, just as we are. In all our brokenness, in all our sin, that's what grace is to me. In Jeremiah, it says, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. 
I will be found by you. Mm. And I have a few examples of when I sought him and I found him. On Monday, um, the day that we discovered the mass, um, it was, um, our lives were, were obviously turned upside down and it was a typical day. Um, I had just, that Monday, October the 5th, I'd just gone back to work. Um, I had been off on medical leave for 10 days um, because I had my gallbladder removed and had a great day, my first day back at work on that Monday. And we were getting ready for the evening, doing our typical um, just evening routine. I struggled with a lot of guilt for a long time because um, after we found the mass, I felt as if, had I not been so concerned about my own health, maybe mm. I would have found it earlier. Maybe I would have seen it sooner. Mm. I struggled with that guilt for a long time. Mm. And I know that was the enemy. Uh, I was so focused on what was going on with me that I felt like I failed to see what was going on with my son. And it took, after talking to my mom about this um, one day, she said to me, Lucy, God saw this coming. God needed you to get better first. He was preparing you. He needed you to be healthy so that when the mass was discovered, yeah. you could take care of Eli. There are no coincidences, mm. and his timing is always perfect. Yeah. And so my mom reminded me. I just felt the guilt fall away mm. because I knew in that moment she was right. Yeah. It was all God's timing, and that was the time it was supposed to, I was supposed to find that mass. Not any sooner, not any later. It was yeah. then I was supposed to find that mass, and that's grace. Amen. That's the grace of God. On Tuesday, the day of surgery, um, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Eli was asleep in the hospital bed. Robert was asleep in the hospital chair. We were exhausted, and I just couldn't sleep, obviously. And I um, talked to God quite a bit that morning. And I asked him, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I can't, and I need you to show up. I need you to show up big, and I need you to fill this place with your presence, mm -hmm. and I need you to just be here with us. And as we were rolled into surgery, we had people start showing up. We had people from our church show up from work, friends and family just coming in and coming in, and that was the grace of God. God showed up, and he hasn't left ever since. Mm. He hasn't left ever since. And these friends and families 
and uh, friends and family and coworkers and, and soccer families, church family, school family, you name it. They have been the hands and feet of Jesus throughout this whole time. I thought I understood what Jesus did for me on the cross. I thought I understood the great exchange. I thought I understood what he did when he took my place on that cross. But it was fully cemented on my heart permanently. The day I saw Eli being rolled away for surgery and I was screaming internally as loud as I could, Lord, I will take his place. Mm. I will take his place. Mm. And I knew then, I understood, mm. like none other, mm. what Jesus did for me on the cross. Amen. And that to me is grace. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Lucy. Eli, you still, you still pass the baton? <laughs> Lucy, thank you. Thank you, ladies. Mr. Robert. Afternoon, everybody. Not so, yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. Afternoon yet. <laughs> you're going to get these people hungry. We've Hold been on. here so long already. Oh. <laughs> no. Our life did change nine months ago. Our life was flipped upside down. We weren't expecting this. This came out of the blue, and it hit us like a ton of bricks. And initially, we gave up. We, we gave up on relying on ourselves and realized we had to rely on the Lord. And we prayed as a family, and we came together as a family that prayed, and the Lord showed himself time and time again. When we prayed, he would surround us with angels. Like Lucy said, at the hospital, all of a sudden there was a hospital room full of people encouraging us, lifting us, because we couldn't stand on our own. Our family, our friends, everybody. And I have so many examples of where we were just beaten and needed help, and it showed up. And I, I'm not going to give you guys all the examples, but one that really stands out to, us, to me personally um, is after, when we started this 22-week journey, about halfway through, we were just beaten and, and tired and, and devastated, right? It was the night before, and we were praying because Eli was so, so tired, and he was crying and saying, I just need a break. God, just give me a break. Why am I doing this? Why are we here? Can we just stop? And we prayed and we cried and we went to the treatment that next Monday. And uh, Kelly was there to help encourage us. One of Eli's classmates said, I'm going to go and I'm going to be there. And, and that was encouraging. And I remember talking to Eli's oncologist. And out of the blue, he tells us, all right, you know, we're doing good. You know, you guys get a two-week break. And we're like, what? A, 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 a two-week break? He's like, yeah. I, was like, I said, you're going to move everything down two weeks? He says, no, you just get a two-week break right now. 
And, and I got emotional because that was nowhere near anything that we thought. But we knew we had prayed for a break because he needed it. We needed it. And the Lord came through for us again. So he's shown us every step of this journey that we can't rely on ourselves. We have to rely on him. He's the reason we're able to stand up here and share with you. Because he gave us courage when we had none. He gave us strength when we had none. He surrounded us with angels. I mean, angels. Jerry, you and your family have been blessings to us. You've been with us every step of the way. Every surgery, I could count on Jerry and George to be there for us. Uh, my family, I mean, random acts of kindness by everybody right when we needed it. And we didn't deserve any of it. So that, that to me is God's grace. And I will spend the rest of my life thanking him for being there for us. Amen. Amen, buddy. You want to close this? <laughs> so, back to my story. We were at my... Is it your cousin, Janetti? Yeah. We were at her house for a get together because my cousins are moving down to Dallas, and it was like a little going away party for them. And we were having a good time, and every every time I just walked past, my auntie was who who was on the sofa, just either sleeping or just sitting there, like something was wrong. And then I had gotten to sit next to her, and she had she had asked me, "Do you know how it feels to not want to eat or drink anything? Like you you can't eat or you can't drink, and you just feel like nothing." Hmm. And I said, "Yes, why?" And she said, "Because she had breast cancer." And I had gotten all emotional. I'd felt real bad for her. And I had asked her, are, are you okay? And she said that she's felt better. And I told her, well, You know God. Do you have a tissue? She just said that she felt like she had grown apart from him a little bit. And I had told her, you just, you just need to keep praying and that ask him to be with you and that just keep your faith. And 
You'll be fine, because I know, I know exactly how you feel. And <laughs> you want to get rid of that as soon as you can, huh? You know, I love that because um, I think of Barnabas in Antioch. He, he visibly saw the grace of God. He rejoiced in the grace of God, and, and he encouraged them, right, to keep trusting in God. And, and, man, that's what you did to your aunt, right, is you've, God's taken you through this journey of visibly seeing God's grace, which you have, would have never seen if it wasn't for October 5th, right? And, and even though that, that journey was hard, he took you through that so that you could be an encouragement even to your aunt. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Well, guys, hey, thanks for letting us go on the journey with you. And, and man, God's grace is, is, is amazing. It truly is. And um, so, so, Eli, can you do this for the congregation real quick? I, I, I think we've shared it before here, but do, do you want to give them an update on where things are health-wise? The latest? Well, I'm, I'm doing good, really good. Um, I've been going to soccer practice, and... I have been going to physical and occupational therapy. And then I do, like, a speed and a strength training mm -hmm. on whatever days I have available. <laughs> and so, what day was it? Like, let's say, like, four weeks after my treat, my last treatment, I had a CT scan, and they said that there was, I was clean, and there was nothing else left. That's awesome, man. That's it. All right. All right, well, I thank y'all. I thank y'all. Um, you guys do what now? <laughs> Somebody invest in a handkerchief for him. <laughs> thank you, guys. Awesome. Eli said I should have brought a handkerchief. Eli, if you start carrying a handkerchief, you might, you might bring something back in style, dude. Well, I love that for many different reasons. I, I love how they have seen visibly the grace of God, and, and many of you guys have been on that journey with them. If I could do this, um, just to, to kind of continue what they were talking about, and, and could I share with you just a few more stories? Um, that I've heard this week, and then we're going to close. But um, we see the grace of God, I, I think, every day in, in many different ways. And, and we, we talked about it a little bit ago, just, just what that looks like. And sometimes it's, it's through suffering. And, and, and sometimes it ends up with a clean bill of health where Eli is now. And, and sometimes the grace of God maybe doesn't end that way either. Um, it, it maybe doesn't end that way. And so he has to take us through uh, tough times and hard times, but I, I want to share with you as well um, just some stories I've got this week, and, and one came, I, I love this story, and some of you guys will, will, will get this. I, I had a, a, a mom, or actually a mom and a grandmother this week, she said this. She said, you know what? I, I see the grace of God every Sunday. 
And I love this. She said, she said sometimes getting uh, my grandson up in the morning to go to church is hard. Anybody have that with a, with a child or anything? Getting their kid? Okay, let's, parents, let's confess time. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes with my boys, uh, it takes three or four or five times getting them up, getting them up, getting them up. And she said, hey, you know, do you want to put the picture up? You want to put the picture up? Derek, I'm sorry about this. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right, put it back down. Put it back down. <laughs> Your grandmother said that in. But, it, it, but here's what she said. She said, I see the grace of God, though, that even though that's a struggle sometimes of getting here, she said, just to be here on Sunday morning is amazing. Is amazing. And just the small things, uh, different things of the grace of God. Uh, then another story came in. Uh, I love this one. From the city of Carrollton. And this is pretty cool. About a, a week ago, we got this, this note. And uh, a few weeks ago, our students um, just helped serve our, our city. And, and I love this because this is a, a visible way to express the grace of God. It's just serving others. You heard the Elias family talk about it as well. And our kiddos went over and they served and helped at the library just to be hands and feet to the city. And listen to what the city wrote back. They said this. She says, my, my name is Lori Reeves. I'm the water resource management specialist for the city. Recently, your students came over to help. And she says, I wanted to personally tell you how impressed I am that by this group of young people. They jumped right in. They helped with anything that needed to be done. The games I had planned were new and, and developed, and I asked them to make suggestions, corrections, as they saw fit. And here's what she said. They were totally awesome. She said, they embraced the challenge. They showed caring. They showed kindness. They showed patience to our attendees, to the children they worked with, and she said, I just wanted to say thanks. And I love that. Serving the city, making the visible grace, or making the grace of God visible even in our city through serving. And I love that. And then another thing, just this week, my, my son, I wanted to share just how he experienced the grace of God. And, and I love this because Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 8, he talks about that in our generosity, as, as we give to, to help support the work of the kingdom and, and the gospel, that, that that is God's gracious work. And this week, one of the things that we've experienced, my, my son's getting ready to go to Guadalajara on the, on the mission trip, and just to see uh, funds coming in to support his, his trip and to even get a text this week from a family member and to say, hey, listen, whatever uh, you owe, I've got it covered. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. He wanted you to know about that this morning. Then this story, two more. I love this story. This gentleman's been in our church for a few years. His name's James. James is a good guy. Get to know him. He's got a cool story. But his story includes eight years of a journey of reconciling, reconciling with his wife. I love that. James and his wife have, have been separated. There's been obstacles in those eight years. But James, had, he's had faith. God's taken him through a journey where he thought his wife Sarah might move here. You see, his wife now lives in Brazil, her home country. And so James has been praying and thinking, okay, God is part of this reconciliation that I take that step and move there. And God revealing to him that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's part of the step. And so what has James been doing? James has been preparing to take that step and move back to be reconciled to his wife completely. It's been cool. We've seen Sarah here. Sarah's come to church when she has visited. And it's cool just to see God working 
Not only that, but as God's been working, preparing him, and as James has been learning more and more just Portuguese, he's also been helping with a Brazilian church locally. As part of that, he's been able to minister to that church, but he's also been able to teach Brazilians English as well and been able to use it as a witnessing tool for the church locally to be able to reach out to Brazilians through teaching them English. Isn't that what other missionaries in the, like the, the Israels do in Serbia? They go and they teach English in far-off lands, and here James is doing it here. And this year is the plan that, that James is going to go and be reconciled to his wife in Brazil. And, and James just wanted to say, hey, that's how I've seen the grace of God visibly. It's a cool story. Got another email this week, and this will be the last story I share with you. But I just want to read it to you from one of ours. It says, up until a few years ago, I had not experienced God's grace in a life-changing way. For the majority of my short Christian life, I was under the controlling spell of an abusive church leader. But the Lord loves me and did not want to leave me in that situation. For the first time ever, I decided to trust God with my life. I went to our church leadership. I brought the abuse to light and severed my relationship with my abuser. From that point on, I experienced daily love, daily grace from our Heavenly Father. I had the support of my husband, church family, amazing friends, counselors, co-workers, the very ones who wept with me when they heard what had occurred in my life. Not one of them thought less of me when they heard what had occurred in my life. Every one of them pointed me to the only one who could heal my wounds. That was Jesus. The Lord pulled me out of a pit, placed me on a rock, and began a healing process. And by the power and the grace of God, I am here today. I am a transformed life. And his grace and the grace shown to me by his true followers has given me the utmost joy and the utmost peace. You see, God is a gracious God. And he works in many different ways through many different means. And so I want to ask you this morning, how are you seeing the grace of God? How are you experiencing God's grace? Barnabas, he saw it. He had tasted it himself, and he saw it in Antioch. And then what does the scripture say? He says he rejoiced. He was glad in the grace of God. He was overwhelmed by it, and it caused him to worship God. It caused him to rejoice. I pray that we would as well, that we would love the grace of God, that we would rejoice in the Lord of grace this morning. And lastly, it says that Barnabas encouraged the church. Eli, I loved your story at the end, being able to encourage your aunt. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to keep trusting in him. He is the God of grace. Trust in him. And as we've heard it this morning, he will never leave us or forsake us. And so church, let's live in the joy. Let's live in the power of God's grace.